You are what you think. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that one before? You've probably heard of that. Or maybe it's been, uh, you are what you eat. <laughs> uh, I won't get into that at all. Uh, what you think about is vital to who you are and what you are all about. What you think is who you are. Our thinking determines what we do. Our thinking determines our speech, our attitudes, our moods, our feelings, our worldview. All of those are involved. And so it's very vital that we uh, understand what the mind is about. Whatever we do actually comes from the mind. That's where it is all starting from. That's the source. And we as Christians want to have a Christian mind to consider everything. Everything is going to be involved and the mind is have to be thinking in that way. We're to think as a Christian. Even in the mundane little things of the world that just do not seem to matter. Uh, everything that's in our everyday living. The way that we think uh, really plays a big part. doesn't matter how trivial, even how worldly it is, or something that's happening evil in the world. It has to be thought about in a Christian way. So anyway, how we begin to think, how do we do that? We do it with the doctrine of God. Uh, it's about who God is. We start with that. It's a must. It's a necessary starting point. If we are to have a Christian response, we have to have the knowledge of who God is. And that means there has to be a regenerate mind, a new mind. And all Christians have a regenerate mind. It has come to life. So that's how best we can glorify the Lord is through a regenerate mind, and it's being regenerated or renewed constantly in a present tense matter. All the mercies that we talked about last week, which is really made up of uh, all the chapters of the book of Romans up to this point, all those mercies in the previous message that we talked about in verse 1, uh, because of the mercies of God, we want to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. That's our motive, isn't it? And with a living sacrifice, we know to be pleasing to God. We know that all of this, it's only logical, it's reasonable. And that's what that word uh, dealt with there whenever it says that we offer up spiritual service of worship, or uh, another translation is logicon, logical, uh, thinking, mind, all of that, very reasoning, the reasoning that God would have, that's all related to what our verse here in verse 2 says about renewing our minds. It's logical in verse 1. It's the mind in verse 2 very well connected. It's capitalized there. So to think right things is a challenge to us today because we are bombarded by all the philosophies, 
the culture of our times, all the changes that are going on in the cultures, the immoral behavior, everything that's going on around us, all the evil political maneuvers that go on, all of those things that are happening around us, and we have to have a mind that is renewed daily. The enemy is hurling everything that he can at us. Everything to make us stumble, to make us fall. That's what the purpose of um, those attacks are. And it's relentless. It's a 24-7 attack on us constantly. There are no breaks. We have vacation and resting times in our lives, but the enemy does not. The enemy keeps on attacking. And so we have to keep that in mind. That's why we must renew our minds daily. Instead of listening and paying attention to all the cues that the world is giving us, they're giving us plenty, aren't they? We're to keep journeying on in this world with our mind focused about what God has to say about everything. We have to feed regularly on the very precious truth. It's rock solid, isn't it? It never changes. I see a world today that is constantly changing. Changing, 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 and not usually for the better. Changing for the worst. And we know that uh, the truths that we base, base our thinking on, those truths that are rock solid and are very constant, if we stay true to them, we are going to run counter to everything that's happening out in the world today. It's totally upside down. We know that. It's an ever-changing culture. It has different rules. The goalposts are being moved every day. And the thing is, is that as that, that is happening, uh, if we don't change with what they're doing, then we are considered to be outcast to be censored, to be canceled. So anybody that stands up for something that has been here, something that was resembling truth at least, is now considered to be censored, canceled. Any of those thoughts, then they try to take captive. This is why we are exhorted to renew constantly, stay on the straight and narrow that we'd not fall off the path because that's exactly what Satan, the world, even our flesh wants to do. It's to trip us up. And we have to have a compass of truth focused on that and that's how we can keep our right direction. Keep our lives being changed. That's the whole idea. Not only getting knowledge, but making our lives change according to that. And if we're doing that, we will definitely be changed by the Word of God to be having the mind of Christ. Let's stand and let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2. 1 is where we were at last week. Verse 2 is where we're at this week. Seems like a rather slow start. Most would take 1 and 2 together. But I'm kind of slow. So therefore, uh, we are trudging and trogging along on this. It will probably pick up as we move through the rest of this chapter. But if we get these two verses... Everything else falls into place. 
if we get these two verses, then we can live the Christian life, whether it be at home, at work, in the church, in our neighborhoods, even according to the way the government is ran. Everything is there and it's presented in Romans 12. Now here's how you live in this kind of world. Let's read this. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your logical service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray. Father, shape our minds into the way they need to be. For we know the flesh would like to go the opposite way. We'd like to go with what is popular and what is cool, what is fashionable, regardless if it's along the route of the Word of God or not. Lord, we have to be transformed and we need to be renewed. We look to Your Word today to be renewed. And then tomorrow and the next day and the next day, we have to charge up. Our batteries get low every day. So, Lord, we know Your Holy Spirit is the one that fills us up. And so we rely upon Him today to get to the matter of these particular truths so our lives can change for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, verse 1 said to present your bodies as a sacrifice. Verse 2 says to present your minds to God and also our wills. So we're going to cover our minds and our wills today. As we looked at our bodies last week, we are living sacrifices. This is what we're offering up. This is what we give to God. What's that? Everything. Because He'll make everything like Christ. So in verse 1, you had the urging of the believer to present the body as a living sacrifice. So that was body, now mind, and then will. God's wa- God wants our bodies, our minds, our wills. So if you're going to present your body as a living sacrifice, you're going to have to make sure your mind, and, and really... The mind is where it all starts, is not absorbed into the things of this world. You see, what the mind does, it dictates how your body functions. So, when your body does something that is really not good, it's not good for your body, it's not good for anything. You see, the mind, if it's transformed, will do something with the way that you respond and act. And so that is why the mind is so important. There's a battle for the minds today. If you don't give your mind to God, 
you're not going to be able to sustain uh, your response as far as the body is concerned. Your body concerns your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your legs, everything. It's your soul. And you see, the mind has to be given to Bob, uh, to God and because if we give everything to Him, He changes us and He sustains us because otherwise we'll be trying to do things that our flesh cannot do. And so it goes back to that Word of God. So He says here in verse 2, and do not, He starts with a negative do not be conformed, and then he gives us the positive. But be transformed. So we have conform, and then we have transform in our English Bibles. We're not to be conformed to the world. That is a negative sense in the do not do that. A positive would be conforming to the world. And you can say, well, what does that mean? Well, the Greek word is schematizo which we get our word scheme, schema, scheme. And it's dealing with really a, uh, you know, the schematics of something. It's how something is to function. That's how it's made. That's the plan of it here. Well, you see, the world wants to mold us. Do not be conformed to the world. You know, we'll get into the word world here in a moment, but uh, simply, it's an idea of being molded to the things of the world. Do not be conformed. Did you know that Christians are nonconformist? And when you hear that term, it sounds bad, doesn't it? Nonconformist. Somebody that doesn't go along with the crowd. We go against the flow of the world. And so, therefore, we're not conforming to what the world does or says, acts. You see, as a kid, and there's kids here, you realize when you're in school, there's a peer pressure. And sometimes you do things that you really know that uh, to do what they do is not good, but sometimes we conform to what the rest of our friends and people around us are doing. We conform to that. If you don't do that, then you're different from others. And when you're different from others, back in my day, uh, that's going way back. A lot of days, we were called dorks. You ever heard of that word, dork? Well, it's not popular, and it goes against the grain. And sometimes dorks were just dorks because they just did foolish things. But sometimes the foolishness of the things that the world says are foolishness really is the very wisdom of God, isn't it? As said in Corinthians. So the world exerts pressure. It tries to put us into the mold. We are to fit in with everybody else. And I'm convinced that is why the world has changed so much just even in the last three years. Because people go along with it which before they had some kind of morals and now those morals have totally turned upside down because they go with whoever's doing it. If you have the social media, the Facebooks and the YouTubes and 
Instagrams and on and on as we go, Twitter. You know, if they cut out the freedom of speech and what Christians would believe and what is right, and they cut that out, and uh, all of a sudden it's canceled, uh, they put forth, here's the way that you ought to think, and people are like sheep, and they follow whatever their shepherd says. In this case, that would be a false shepherd. And so they go along with those things. They're being shaped by the world, why is it that 50% of people, at least 50% of people, have gone to the extreme left, not middle left, extreme left now? Why is that? Now, not everyone, just talk about toleration of things. They encourage people to do things that are evil and wicked. They encourage the things of the LGBTQ activities. They encourage transvestites to invite school-age children to their activities and their performances. That is grade school elementary kids, along with their parents, to uh, be invited to see the things that they do and what their world is about. And of course we think of uh, same-sex marriages. Uh, At one time, not too many years ago, that would have been just totally put down and it was uh, it was something that people would never accept and now it's the going thing or the with the things that we hear ringing like the defunding of police the defunding of law and order uh, abortion is running rampant and how people have uh, really uh, it's dealing with a political aspect but then uh, women who would never have bought that idea before do Socialism, the Black Lives Matter, you go on and on. That's the thinking of the world. Don't be conformed to that, right? Institutions put the pressure on, such as schools, they definitely put pressure on the kids at nursery school, preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, high school, college. And so anything that is pertaining to... uh, Anything that's spiritual, uh, like a mask that covers the mouth that they're required to wear in many schools today. One girl had uh, on this week, uh, Jesus loves me, on her mask. And the school board and the whole school had her take that off and never wear it again. Well, that was taken to court. And believe it or not, people spoke up. Parents spoke up, even kids did, friends did at school, believe it or not. She went against the grain. And so we've heard about that t-shirts or caps that might have some kind of a Christian logo or what have you. And those are barred, but anything else that could be evil or even bad words uh, could actually be something that uh, is accepted there. So that's the kind of thinking. I'm not telling you anything new. You all have heard about these kind of things. You see, the world is uncomfortable when they have Christians around them. That's why they would like to take their view and just throw it out the window completely. They'll do whatever they can to get rid of that kind of thinking. And so uh, that is the idea. They continue to cancel in this world people who have truth There are quite a few translations that take this verse too. And do not be conformed to this world, 
that little phrase, and I'm going to read some of these because they're really good. They're like a commentary almost. Some of these are like paraphrases, but they really get the idea of it. One of them says this, Do not let the age in which you live force you into its scheme, there's that word scheme, of thinking and behaving. Here's another one. Do not conform yourselves to this age. Do not model yourselves to the behavior of the world around you. It's all singing in different ways, but it's all coming together as the same thought. Don't copy the behavior of this world. That's right, absolutely. I would hope you, uh, your parents taught you that, right? My favorite one, though, throughout the years, and it still is, and I think of this most often, it was, uh, it's a translation called the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Uh, it, in some senses, it had a liberal tone to it but it, uh, of the translation, but actually uh, there are some things that are very helpful. So in this one, uh, even some of my favorite commentators have always used this through many years. And get a load of this one. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. I like that. Because it's about a mold. You saw the other one, a schema, a scheme, a schemata. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its scheme or its mold. Don't be molded by that mold, right? So there is our negative sense in do not be conformed, conformed, and... It says to this world. Now what is world here? It's actually age. Uh, ion. It's not cosmos, which most often that's what we run into. World. Uh, uh, but it's very related to it. The world, the world and its evil system, right? Uh, it basically means that, but it means this age. This particular time that we are all living in right now. And this was written 2,000 years ago. And here we are studying it. They had their age. We have the age that we live in. This system, this age, this time that we live in, it's the here and now. Because you see, that's really what all the age is about. It's the here and now. It's not the eternal aspect. And that's why this age or this time period really applies here. This ion. God knows what He's doing when it gets down to specific words, doesn't He? That's why we take that apart quite a bit because if you get down and start magnifying, here's why He didn't use cosmos here. He's using something that says the here and now. Because that's what our world says today. Carl Sagan had a television show back decades ago, and it was really the, the cosmos, and which is really the world. He says the world is all it is. This universe, that's all it has ever has been and ever will be. It, is, it has no God. This is the way it's always been. It's not eternal in the sense of the eternal God. So, we must program our mind correctly. By the way, people have really bought that idea and we know what has happened with the uh, idea of that there is no God. 
It's been inflated a million times since I first heard about it in the 60s, evolution. And it's gone much farther than I can even imagine how much they took God out of everything. So how do we deal with the mind in a negative way? Don't be conformed to this ion, this age, this time that we live in. It means the world that has fallen. It's the unredeemed world. And we live in unredeemed flesh that would love to follow everything that's out there. The flesh says, hey, that looks pretty good. That's very inviting. It's an evil world system. John used that language. 1 John 5.19 And John wrote near the end of the first century. Of course, we know he wrote Revelation. 1 John 5.19 as he closes out his first epistle. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. That says a lot, doesn't it? We know He's the prince of the power of the air. Right now, He is. But overruling Him, of course, we know is God anyway. But to, uh, zeitgeist is the German word. It's the spirit of the ages. The spirit of the age. It's all of the. Uh, it's an instrument that Satan uses, and you can think of his goals, his aims, his ends, his purpose. It's all satanic. It's all the kingdom of darkness. Colossians says we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the very light of Jesus Christ. We are in the kingdom of light. It's because you've been transformed. You've been removed from that dark world. And you can say, wait a minute, I live here. Yeah, we live here, but we are not to be conformed to it. Right? We came out of that kingdom of darkness. So it's like this. Now, present your body... But in order to keep presenting your body, that's present tense, keep on doing it. You don't present it once to God, but it's an ongoing, constant, every moment thing. You're going to have to reprogram your mind. Because you see, we've all heard of this one. When we talked about the body, present your body as a living sacrifice and how that related to the sacrificial Old Testament system that they had. And it would be like putting your body on the altar to present it, right? And if you don't renew that mind and restore it daily, you know what the body does? The living sacrifice jumps off the altar, doesn't it? We've all heard that. But that's exactly what happens. And we have to remember to keep on presenting that body or it'll jump off. Uh, Keep reprogramming. Secularism. That's really what ion, cosmos, worldly is. Secular. Because in the Latin, the word here would be seculum, which means um, things like humanism. 
self-centeredness. It would be things like relativism, pragmatism. It would be things that would be all the religions of the world, pluralism, hedonism, do everything, anything you want. Whatever your body wants, whatever it desires, do it. Materialism. Do all those answer to what worldliness is? That's the thing of secularism. These things are in a battle and in a war for our minds. They want to destroy our way of thinking. They're shooting shots of us. Think of yourself as a fortress. And out goes a chunk. And out goes another chunk. Here goes another big boulder out of this fortress. Being shot at daily and constantly. We are marred sometimes by the things that are being shot at us. The cannons, the missiles, the arrows, whatever it takes, Satan uses those. The secular thinking, I'm trying to twist your mind into thinking that way. The, uh, as we said, the ion lives for the now. Lives for the now. There's no eternal life that Scripture presents. There's no such thing. It's for right now. We are to see all things, though, as Christians, as to the eternal God. Everything relates to eternity, not the here and the now. So that's all they got. Unless they're converted, this is all they get. This is the best they can have. And many of them are living a really nice lifestyle. And a lot of people say, wouldn't it be nice to be that way? No, 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 no. We are to see things that connect to the eternal God. We are to reject the things of the world that we know that goes against truth. Is really what we're saying there. So we have done conformed which is the negative aspect. Do not be conformed to this world. Does that, does that help? Does that help define that little phrase there? Let's go to the positive now. See, God never lingers, lets us linger in the negative. He then shows and fills us up with what is truth. And here He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. So we get into that word. Boy, is that word ever filled with much meaning. Uh, Most of you have probably been through this before and you know that the Greek word is metamorphosis. And we know what that means. Anybody that has studied caterpillars know that what do caterpillars change into? Butterflies. I saw it right there coming right out of your mouth. Very good. That is called a transformation or a metamorphosis. Meta change, morph. We've heard of morph, haven't we? Uh, To change form, transform. Uh, We are to be like caterpillars changing into a butterfly, transitioning into that. It's beautiful. It's radical to do that. By the way, interesting, meta means uh, one thing above or go beyond, but it also means change. 
in the Greek, it goes with the context there, more form. Uh, it's interesting that Facebook actually falls under a, a different, there's a rebranding that has happened, even though they're still called Facebook. There had to be some changes. There were some things where they did get out of line. And so to get back into the graces of people, you'll notice the word four-letter word that I think came about in 2021. It's called Meta. And I think there's more to that than what is really seen by the eye. You go, okay, it's Facebook. A parent company is called Meta. And... What it is, it's combining things of the social media or the internet. And what it's doing is it's going into what would be virtual or augmented reality. So it's going beyond, it's changing the social media and even the internet is going to change into a virtual reality. By the way, that word uh, was kind of associated with a movie back in the 90s. And so they took that idea. It was The word was metaverse. And so here we have it to do with where we're at now. Augmented means to add to or to even change. Um, it's designed so we can do anything that we imagine. There's a big step. We're getting ready to transition into something different than this world has ever known. At least that's what the world is doing. Uh, we spent a couple of weeks uh, on, our, on our Bible study nights just showing some of the technology that is already here, that is getting ready to come, or things that they would like to be able to do, which I don't think they will be able to do, because I don't think God will be able to, or will let them do it. But it does remind me of the Tower of Babel, where mankind was really getting to the point, we can do anything that we want to do. They touched the sky into the heavens. It was really a worship of uh, the occult world, that's what a lot of this is. But can you imagine stepping into an experience? See, Facebook allows you to kind of correlate your thoughts and react to other people's thoughts. But it's still kind of a passive thing because you're not really doing anything. You're saying things, but they're going to graduate this to where you're going to be teleported to your place of work. Teleported? What are you talking about? By the use of holograms. And we've heard about these for years. Yeah. Those things are here. They have been here. They want to use those in a way that will go far beyond Facebook has ever had. We're talking about replacing even TVs and monitors, screens, and holograms will come up. And that will be your mind, your thinking. That will be the control of you. This is the idea of meta, metaverse. This is what they have. Digital holograms projecting in some kind of virtual reality to go far beyond to change 
They are all about change. Meta. So if you haven't seen that word yet, but i got a feeling you have, because you go into Facebook, you'll even see that word meta, and you go, what's going on here? And the first thing that I thought of was change. Yeah, there is. And, of course, everybody's looking for that step that we take economically, socially, religiously, one world, politically, all the way around, and that is what they're going to use as one of the biggest ways that will be changing the world. That's a transforming, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformed. To be altered. You know, renewing the mind, I think of that, and we'll get to that in a moment, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think of this whole verse, and I can't help but thinking of one of my all-time favorite radio shows called Renewing Your Mind. You see, R.C. Sproul is one of the greatest teachers, I think, in the 1900s, early 2000s. A tremendous teacher of the Word of God. And I uh, had that show called Renewing Your Mind. And you see, one of his biggest ministries was the holiness of God, which is a book that has struck oh so many people. And uh, he also had a book dealing with truth. He always talked about truth. You see, you can't be holy without renewing your mind. So therefore, uh, that has a lot to play with in where we're heading in this verse. Uh, He made an impact on my life and probably many of you. And uh, he died, but his ministry goes on. He's still teaching. He still has the books. And his ministry does what he has done. Although one person sometimes is a little different than uh, whoever comes behind it. Even though they can be solid, it's still not that person. But his stuff is still here. And talking about somebody who spoke so much about truth. Well, um, transformed is seen in Matthew chapter 17. Where you see Jesus took uh, three of his disciples up the mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Because that's what he did there at this time. In 17 verse 2, verse 1 says he led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured. Or metamorphosis. Transformed before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. You know what happened? He changed form. He was a man. He was man-God. But all of a sudden, he showed the glory of God, the very brightness. His whole image was changed, even though he's the same two persons here. He's God, he's man. Yet the man showed who the glory of God is in Christ. That's incredible. He was transfigured to take on a glorious form. He was changed at that moment. Your outward image, who you are, has to come from heaven and not hell. Your image is changed constantly by 
heaven. From God. Let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You say, well, how do you do that? How do you renew your mind? Well, Paul wrote about that. David, the psalm writer, even did that. If you look at Psalm 119, verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. They walk. That means every day living. Mundane living, whatever it is, it's every day. The Puritans like to use the word trogging. They trogged along. Every day. It's a grind, isn't it? Every day. That's what it is. It's a good thing. That's renewing your mind. Go to Colossians. Chapter 1 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. It means to be filled with the Word of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those two are related. And so Colossians 2 then says, In verse 10, and in him, Christ who is deity, you have been filled, who is the head over all rule and authority. He's already filled us. The Holy Spirit lives there. The Holy Spirit honors God's word. He says, Feed yourself. You take it in. And then watch what happens. It's an amazing thing. It's a transformation. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Here's thinking here. Whatever is dignified, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, consider these things. Consider. Think about them. Renew your mind on these kind of things. You're going to do what your mind is saturated with. You saturate it with the word of truth and you will do that. Your life will be changed. Transformed. Go to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Have this way of thinking in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he says, humble yourselves. It's about the humility of Christ there that follows. He emptied himself and such. Have this way of thinking. What kind of thinking? Well, the way that Christ thinks. What is the way that 
Christ thinks. Do you remember when He was on earth? The Scripture. Do you not know what the Scripture says about this? Right? Do you not know? So it always goes into Scripture. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9, and we think of the Shema. They said this every day. Hear, O Israel, verse 4, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I mean, that's everything, isn't it? That's your whole soul. That's your body. That's your mind. That's your will. It's everything. And then he says, These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. These words. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. How often is that? All day long, all night long, all the time in our vernacular, 24-7. You teach it to them. You're reminding yourself of them. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as phylacteries between your eyes, always constantly there before you is the word of truth. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, constantly before you the word of God. Whether you write it literally or not, some of you actually do put scripture on the walls. <laughs> and that's a good thing. But that's to remind us, isn't it? The word of God. That's what it's about. And so, you know what? Uh, we're, th- we're using the word think on these things. Uh, there's a word that is called meta, which it means to change. Noia. Noia in the Greek, you'll see in the New Testament, is there often. Use your minds. Noia is your mind. To change your mind is the word that we use. Repentance. Metanoia, to change your mind. And it's just not saying to change your mind and then you go on living the way that you are. To change your mind means also to change your actions because what's in the mind now is going to dictate to your body, your soul. Metanoia, to repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you don't repent, the kingdom of darkness dominates you. So, now we get into the word renew. Back to Romans. Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And we talked about the mind. The renewing of the mind. We'll back up after getting that word mind. Renew. Anakinosis. Kino is new. New in quality. uh, There's a change here because our mind is renewed. It needs to be renovated because of the attacks on our mind coming from everywhere. Be renewed. The soul is given to God. The body is given to God. The mind is given to God. The will is given to God. 
the living sacrifice of the body given to God can be sustained as an offering to God on the altar when the mind is constantly being renewed. It'll stay on the altar. You don't renew it, it'll jump off the altar because that sacrifice is living. We need the truth of the Word of God. This renewing is a way of thinking rather than merely just behaving. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians who put an outward form and really look good where on the inside they are amiss. They're short a few things. We all are, but in a lot of times we put forth behavior. Behavior is good. And that is a result, though, of the Word of God. So if there's a change in the mind, a change in the heart there, then we know that that will be the result. There will be a change in behavior. But we can't change it. Or what happens? We jump off the altar. Or to break away from the world's view of everything and break out as we break out of the world's thinking. Instead, our minds are to be molded. Remember that word, molded? Molded by the truth. Right behavior follows. Or to be molded by the Word of God. I think, sadly, American Christians today have mostly the same values and behavior patterns as the world around them. That's a sad thought to think, isn't it? And we all battle it. None of us we know are perfect. But a change must happen. We must change to think differently. Think the way that Christ thinks, as the Scripture said. Think the way that Christ thinks. Yeah, because we have the mind of Christ. Uh, pray that your heart would change. So that's the thing. We always have to constantly have our thinking changed, don't we? We need prayer. We need the Word of God. We need the Spirit of God. We need help. <laughs> oh, we need help. We would be... Useless out there with that. Just one little attack and we'd go down. That's the way it works. So, there's the first part of our verse 2. Do not be conformed, be transformed. And so now we go to presenting to God our wills. Presenting the will to God. We presented the mind we presented the body to God in previous text, verse 1. Now we're talking about presenting our wills. The word there, so that you may approve what the will of God is, approve is dokimazo. And we've ran into that word many times. And dokimazo really is about Proving something that is real. It's to put it to the test. When you take silver or you take gold, you want to burn out every impurity that you can. You want it to be pure gold. You want it to be pure silver. And when you're done with that process, you have now proven it to be true. 
it's pure gold. And that's the idea of Dakimazo. It's not the point of showing that something failed. It's the point of showing something that is true. And so he says, so that you may approve what the will of God is. To actually put it on display. It's to be a living proof that the will of God is good and lofty and noble. It proves that. Put on display the living proof of God's will in your life. The final word then is that you would prove by your life what the will of God is. It's not proving to Him or it's not defending Him and proving, yes, His will is. No, that's not the deal. The deal is is that we're proving to everybody, the whole world, what the will of God is by the way we live. So if you are renewing your mind daily and your body and your will follows, it's going to prove what the will of God is. The whole sum and substance of all this is sanctification. And what happens when we get into Romans 12? It's called by some, part 2, sanctification. Doctrine, first 11 chapters, chapters 12 through 16, is sanctification. Now that's in the simple format. Uh, in earlier times we have discussed sanctification and doctrine, and they kind of work together in those first 11 chapters, but we definitely saw a great grand doctrine. 12 through 16 is not just sanctification. We're seeing a lot of doctrine here too, aren't we? But you see what it is. If you have doctrine, what's going to happen? You're going to live it out. At least we, we are supposed to, right? Show the world that the approved will of God, what it is. Prove, to demonstrate, to demonstrate the will of God. Put it on display. Now, that next phrase, the will of God. And if uh, you would listen to uh, R.C. Sproul on this text here, he would tell you this, and he I've heard him say it many times, that the most asked question that they had in their very early days was, what is the will of God for my life? And I bet you every one of you are guilty of that. We've all done that, haven't we? Say, guilty? What do you mean guilty? Shouldn't we be asking that? It's okay. Uh, Because it is biblical. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God that you be saved. This is the will of God, as it says in Peter, and I know you're not going to like this, but he even says it, he does, (laughs) suffering. Because we'll be like our Master. And we'll understand a little bit more what that's all about because it proves who we are. As a dakimazo, there is a proof that we come through that. Um, saved, sanctified, suffering, saying thanks. If you are in the will of God, you are saying thanks. You say, well, yeah, but I want the will of God about what college I'm supposed to go to or what job that I'm supposed to take. I've got this, this, and this. I want to know, what's, what's your will, God? Uh, you know, and, and we can go on and on. Who should I marry, God? 
God, what do you have in mind for my life here? Who's to be my mate for the rest of my life? Who's to be my wife? Who's to be my husband? And people seek that out, and not that it's necessarily wrong, but don't tell, don't ask any ministry to tell what the will of God is for that. And there are some things that help, like other Christians can help. Sometimes they can not help. (laughs) They can give you good advice, good counsel. Maybe circumstances come along and there are, you know, things like those kind of things in the Word of God and then that's how we come to that. We can say God told us that. We have to be careful because if we go around saying God told me this, God told me that, it's like everybody's saying, hey, I got a new revelation. But there are things where we're directed by God by many different avenues. It's not that you necessarily always hear God. And that's, how can I know the will of God? He hasn't spoken to me where I can directly hear that. Well, that's not the way He normally, and I put that word there carefully, He he doesn't normally do that. That's uh, not really the way He speaks today. Why is that? Because the Word of God has already been spoken. There is nothing new uh, that has to be added. And we said that today in our confession. Anything that's new that's beyond that is foreign and it's uh, not to be part of the Word of God. But we can get notations and help sometimes from the Word of God and other things. But ultimately, we have the will of God in here. And you can say, well, I'd like... Every decision that I make, I would like for God to tell me what that is. You know what? I'd love that too. That's not the way it works. And you know what? People say, I want free will. Do you know when you're converted, you are now given free will? It's the will of God. You say, well, great. Then I'll know everything that I do and everything's going to be right. Well, when you get your glorified bodies, that will happen. In the meantime, use the mind that you are given and keep renewing it. God will steer you in the direction that you go because we've already read that He is sovereign. And ultimately what you do is what God has designed anyway. But He lets us use our intelligence. And so, the will of God. The will is based on what the mind knows of the Word of God. And we come to the... Near the end. By the way, Sproul did not give somebody saying, "Well, am I supposed to marry Mary or Elizabeth?" And he, it's like that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you're going to do the will of God if you're in the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God. So put it on display, and he finishes off here. As we continually do this, in Romans 12, verse 2, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now he's already said that you can demonstrate what the will of God is in your life. And you say the will of God that is in your life, it's good. It's God's will that it be good. Don't you want good? That's an attribute of God. That's a glory of God, His goodness. Moses said, show me your glory. God passed by. Gave him a glimpse of the backside of His glory. And it started off with His 
goodness. God is good. That's so easy. Three words. God is good. That sounds so childish. No. That is high doctrine. God is good. And you know what? When you obey Him, you not only experience a good God, but He has put goodness in you. So now, the will of God is that you would show the goodness of God, which is His glory. The goodness. After it's all said and done, this is how God makes you happy. You want to be happy? Well, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can demonstrate what the will of God is in you and it's showing to you the very goodness of God. It shows to other believers the goodness of God and it shows the outside world the goodness of God whether they want it or not. Good. And then he says, acceptable or pleasing. That which is good and pleasing. I'm going to use the word pleasing. We had acceptable back in verse 1. Or the word pleasing. Same word. Both of them are okay. I would rather prefer pleasing. Do you guys like to be pleased? Do you like things to be pleasant? Paul encourages us here to be satisfied. How about content? I like that. Being content. I think being content with where God has put us is maybe the best way that we can glorify God. And not complaining. But pleased with what He has worked in us and where He's put us right now at this time. And you know what? We take great pleasure in that. We take great pleasure because He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. And we've actually practiced it. We've done it. And you know what? There's a sense of pleasure in knowing that you are in God's will. Doesn't that do a lot for you? That's a changing aspect that continues all throughout your Christian life. It's going to become more and more pleasant no matter the turmoil around us, no matter the challenges, all of the evil things that attack us personally or attack the whole body of Christ worldwide. Inside that hurricane, the eye of the hurricane is Christ Himself, isn't it? And we're satisfied in that because we know where everything is headed. We have an eternal view. It's pleasing to us. I think it was... uh, didn't write it down here. Uh, I'm going to give credit to James Montgomery Boyce here, but I think he said this. If we are determined to do His will, that's what we're talking about, by renewing our minds and not conforming to the world, 
we will not look back and be dissatisfied or bitter. But we will conclude that our lives were well lived and be satisfied with Him. That's ongoing every day. And it's ongoing through a person's life as they age. And I don't want to be a bitter old saint. I want to be one that is what Paul is saying here, that I would be a pleasant individual led by Christ doing His will. And I know that I am content with that. I'm satisfied with that. I don't want to be a bitter individual. And that happens to a lot of older people, unbelievers especially, but I've seen a lot of Christians turn out to be bitter as age came. And there's probably a lot of good reasons why that is, as your body changes, not for the good. But actually it's not a good reason, because the real reason is this right here, where it says that we are to reason. Logicon. To reason what all He's done. What He's doing. Look at it clearly. To have a Christian worldview and to respond in that way. The last word, perfect. That's a stumbling word. God says, be perfect for I am perfect. And yet anybody that says that, we know they're lying. That's a sin. What is he saying? Well, God's law is perfect. He demands perfection. The only thing is, he had to look at Christ when he saw perfection. And then he gave us Christ's righteousness. Even though we still battle and live this out. Remember, we have that battle for our minds. Perfect. Is this at the end of our walks here? And, and we're, we're taken by the Lord? It's right now, it's present tense. All of this is present tense. It's in the here and now, but looking eternally. Perfect is the word teleos. Jesus said it on the cross. What did He say? Teleos. It is finished. The work. The work of redemption has been done on the cross. It is finished. That word teleos means mature, complete, to reach its goal. Fullness is the idea. If you put it in the context of human beings, Christians, it's one who is mature. One who is filled with the Word of God. They give themselves, they give their mind, their bodies, their wills to God. Not your will. No. It's not our will. Not my will, God. But your will. Jesus said that. He even said it to the Father. Not my will. It's your will. And so that's what we give to Him. We give Him back our wills because the freedom of the will ain't so hot. <laughs> if I went with what my will is, I'd be a, I would have a total, complete, different story. And I can tell you, I'd be a very unhappy man. 
I'm glad. I, I, how I got here, I didn't plan. I didn't know back in the 60s and 70s, after school, after all that education, after all my desires, I didn't know I would stand here today, right here. I didn't know I was gearing that way. And if anyone would have said it, I'd say, you're crazy or off the wall. You're nuts. There's no way. You don't know me. That would have been my will. God changed my will. How can I have a free will if I got here? It's God's will. He did it. Praise God. Our text means those who do the will of God discover that it is not lacking. That's the idea. It's mature. It's not lacking. It's there's a fullness there. We're not. It's direction. We are not perfect in the way that we think of perfect God, and God is the only one who's perfect. But those who do the will of God, they're not lacking in any respect. There's a satisfying wholeness. Do you have that today? Do you have a satisfying wholeness in you? Are you freaked about freaked out about everything? You don't have that satisfaction. Why not? Romans 12, 1 and 2, I think gives a perfect answer. Look at it. Study it. Check it out. See if what we are talking about is not true. And if it's true, I suggest to you very heartily that you do this. Because your life will change. Oh, for the better. For the good. You'll be satisfied. Is that what you're looking for? It means we've been living for God. I close with this. When you are informed by the Word of God, then you will be able to know the will of God and you'll be able to prove it to yourself and to others what is that good and pleasing, complete will of God. Let's go to prayer to this God. Father in heaven, you are so holy. Your name is the authority. We are to pay attention to you and not grab a hold of all of those silly, crazy things that are out there that just take our time. They're not some things are not necessarily even wrong, Lord. But there are better things that we can be doing. And as we offer up, if we're serious about this, we offer up our souls, our bodies, our minds, our wills to you. There is no limit to how you can change us to the point where we will be absolutely content and satisfied with all that you have done for us and given us. Lord, we know that absolute satisfaction will be seen in glory, but we want as much as we can right now because we're living in a world of absolute turmoil and there's more coming. But you are the answer. As the song we sang this morning, Jesus, you are the answer for all things. Amen and the authority of Jesus. We go out of here being blessed.
Do you feel like God has blessed you today as we've been in the Word of God? Audrey has a new. This is February. The Edifier. It will edify you. It'll build you up. I haven't read this one yet. Oh, it's out of Matthew Henry's commentary. That's your favorite commentary. It is. Has a lot of good things to say. And I know we just went through things not too long ago, but when I read through it. I wish this could be made into a movie, but then again, they probably mess it up. They mess it up. Yeah. 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 Ye